This morning, actually, Brad, you may want to turn that down. This morning, um, Brad came to me and we prayed, and he had this picture of um, uh, mist. And oh, welcome back, man. Um, mist. Um, and. It was such a blessing because that's kind of how I felt today very much was, was misty. I like to give definite answers to things. Um, and today is entitled, The Tough Question. The Tough Question. And as we've been going through this Healing and Miracle series, there's been many, many times where there's almost that elephant in the room and you can't address everything during one, one message where it's like, yeah, but, those yeah, buts. Yeah, but what when people don't get healed and it's a hard one and it's that subject today that I want to speak around that I that I want us to kind of hold up look at in different from different angles and different perspectives today but and, and look at it in the light of the gospel in the light of the big picture what you won't get today and so this is why it was an encouragement this morning when Brad gave me this misty picture um, what you won't get today is a definite answer what you won't get today is blame. Blaming you, you don't have enough faith, or blaming someone else. Blame, blaming, blaming the person who's suffering, blaming God. But what I wanna to do today is broaden our minds. For us to see the big eternal picture that we live in, and actually God spoke to me whilst we were in worship there, and I believe this message answers this question and helps us resolve a lot to do with, especially friends, family, people we know who've passed away. But also, this big picture, if you get it, it will change everything else because your whole perspective will be different. How you evangelize, the, the, the fear that you maybe feel, the way you step out your life, the, the things that you give your time to and don't give your time to, the heart that you live your, lead your life with. So today is about seeing the big eternal picture whilst at the same time keeping that expectancy, that zeal for healing and for the miraculous for the here and now, for the day. It's holding the truth of God's word that we looked at right at the beginning, the promises of God in one hand and then accepting the mysteries of God on the other hand. Discovering the eternal peace and joy and hope that we can find through all of our situations. So, the first place that I want to start today is actually looking at the makeup of man, our makeup. Maybe a funny place to start to answer this question, but it lays some groundwork that's so important. It's great having a microphone and not having a shout over. So, there it goes. Um, the first place to start is to understand how we were created by God. That we are a spirit. We possess a soul and we live in a body. We are a spirit, we possess a soul and we live in a body. See, when we gave our lives to Christ, our spirit was born again, wasn't it? We've, we've got the righteousness of Christ, we've become alive in God. It's that age-old problem of mankind that, we're, that we are spiritually dead. That's what the Bible says. Before we put our trust in Christ, before we believe in him, we are spiritually dead. And in order for our spirit to become alive, we need to be born again, not of flesh, but born again of spirit, of the Holy Spirit. That's what John 3.3 says. John 3.3 says, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, 
I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. See, not about effort. None of us put any effort into being born, right? It's not about our effort. It's about everything he's done. James 2.26 says, For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Just as the body without the spirit is dead. See, being religious is not enough. Being a lovely person who just goes and does all kinds of good works is not enough. It's great. It's an evidence of salvation, but it's not enough. You need to be born again of the Spirit, because you are Spirit. That means saying, Christ, I, be I believe in you, that you came, that you died on a cross to save me, that in you and only in you can I find my way back to the Father. In our Spirit, or your Spirit, is what makes you, you. When someone dies, I don't know if you know this, but when someone dies, their hair and their fingernails continue to grow for a bit. But we wouldn't say that they're still alive. The body has some level of function that's still going on. But you wouldn't look at them and say, oh, they're probably still alive then. So they've got no pulse. See, the body's doing something, but they aren't there. The body, without the spirit, is dead. So, we're totally saved by grace. Born again of the Spirit of God. Born again into the family of God. Our spirit is declared righteous before God, that we can be in the presence of God, that we're adopted into sonship because our new spiritual life is in Christ. And because of that life, it means that when we die, we die in him. We are in him. You're, if you're in him today, when you die, you die in Christ as opposed to not being in him. See, Christianity, I think sometimes people think Christianity is about buddying up to God in the way that he sees that you're in his kind of gang or his club and as a favor lets you into heaven. It's not about that. It's not about that. Think about this. On the, on the earth today, only the we'd say only the living are on the earth today, right? We wouldn't say Charles Dickens is on the earth. He used to be alive. We know him. But he isn't alive today. Couldn't say, oh yeah, Charles Dickens is on the earth. In the same way, only, in the same way that only the living inherit the, in, inhabit the earth, only the living inhabit heaven. Only the living inhabit eternity. And there's only one way for spirits to move from death into life, to be alive, and that is through Christ, through being born again. And the Holy Spirit, he immerses us, doesn't he? It says that the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ's body, that we're baptized into Christ, that we're buried in Christ, that we're hidden in Christ. That's our coming to faith. That's our coming alive. And then we come to faith in church, and as a step of, of obedience, we actually we step out and we are baptized in water by people. We're baptized, baptizo, which means to immerse. We're immersed in water as a believer by people. And then we're baptized in the Holy Spirit by Jesus. It says that Jesus is the one who will baptize us in the Holy Spirit, baptized into Christ. That's our salvation. And baptized into the Holy Spirit. So we are a spirit that was once dead, but is now alive in Christ. Death has been completely defeated. You are alive. 
You are alive. That means that you, not your body, but your spirit, you, you cannot die. You cannot die. Or rather, you cannot live an eternal death. However, as we well know, our, our souls, our minds, our will, our emotion still has to be renewed from worldly thinking, doesn't it? I know you guys never lose it, but sometimes I lose it. We can live out our lives in both camps, trying to stay, trying to stay with the mind of Christ and living with the heart of Christ in that peace, joy, and love. But so easy, it can, we can step back in to the other one. Having that mind of Christ, living in that place of peace with each other. Romans 8, 7. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. Romans 12, 1-2 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, i.e. as believers, it is possible to live a life where our spirit is alive, but where we're living conformed to this world. You know, you could be. But be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove that the will of, what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. That sanctification, us living life in the Holy Spirit, that we don't, we, we live life every day in that Holy Spirit or in the person of the Holy Spirit, that he leads us into this life. So we're saved. We've become spiritually alive. Your spirit is alive. We're going through this process in our soulish parts, our mind, will, and emotion of sanctification, of coming more and more into alignment with him, more and more into alignment with Jesus. Our thoughts, our hopes, our prayers, our emotions, our responses, our faith, beginning more and more to reflect and mirror his hopes, his thoughts, his responses, his prayers, his emotions, his faith. And then that last part, the body, and Paul makes it clear that our bodies are still earthly bodies, are still earthly bodies. These bodies of flesh will get buried in the ground. We know that. They're going to get buried in the ground in corruption. And later, will get raised in corruptible. Not just an eternal spirit in some kind of weird, floaty, ghosty kind of way, but an eternal body. 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to go in through this a fair bit through, through today. 15, 42 and 44. So we'll read these verses again later. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in, in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Remember after Jesus' resurrection, he ate and he drank and he, people touched him and were able to relate with him. It wasn't some weird kind of Obi-Wan Kenobi glow-in-the-dark thing over at the side. He kept, but at the same time, he walked through 
came through walls, he came through locked doors, appeared in rooms, didn't he? It was a different kind of body that he had. Philippians 3.21, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory? By the exertion of the power that he is even to subject all things to himself. See, there's a truth that in the fallenness of the world, our bodies are not eternal. They're not eternal. They break. They wear out. Things affect them. The truth is that our bodies will stop working one day, right? Unless Jesus comes and we're transformed in the blinking of an eye. But for most of us, for most of humanity, our bodies are going to stop working one day. There are numerous times through the Bible. I find it challenging. There are numerous times through the Bible that we see great men of faith who are sick and even die of sickness. Elisha, the prophet, don't talk about it much, but he died of sickness. Elisha's second Kings um, 13, 14 says, When Elisha became sick with the illness of which he was to die, Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over him and said, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Strange thing to say on someone's deathbed, but anyway. Paul, he saw so many healings, didn't he? Saw so many people healed. This guy in ministry, laying waste to the works of the devil. Yet he leaves many, uh, there, he leaves friends sick. Says this in 2 Timothy 4.20, Erastus remained at Corinth, but Tromphius I left sick at Miletus. And Paul got sick. Galatians 4.13, but you know that it was because of a bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you the first time. Also Timothy, read that he suffered sickness. Paul told it, gave him advice, didn't he? he? Told him to take some wine as medication. What a doctor, eh? 1 Timothy 5.23 No longer drink water exclusively, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. So, our spirit has to be born again. What me just sharing that stuff is just laying some groundwork for where we need to go today. Our spirit has to be born again. Our mind has to be renewed, but our body is still a body of death, which awaits the full redemption of Christ. Spiritually, we're transformed in that moment, right? We're spiritually transformed when we're saved. We can renew our thinking to transform our mind. But ultimately, ultimately, our bodies must be transformed. That said, here's the challenge within it all. The amazing glimpses of heaven in our world. There have been incredible men and women of faith who have seen their lives on earth almost filled with a greater heavenly reality in their body than anything else. That they, that they believe actually that whilst they, they would die one day, that as they're traveling in, in this life, that <clears throat> their body belonged in the kingdom. 
there's an amazing story of John G. Lake. Some of you guys know this. And it, he, he really followed this. And he, one day, he got these scientists to um, put a solution of bubonic plague on his hand. And they held it under a microscope. And these secular scientists gathered around and they watched the bubonic plague just crumple up and die on his palm. Because he said, the life of God on me, it, it can't be affected. Uh, sorry, that it can't be affected by that darkness. And he had, he had an incredible healing ministry. I find it challenging. I find it really challenging. It's the things that I'd encourage you guys believe for that. There's a mystery in when things don't happen, but believe for the awesome. E.W. Kenyon's death, I don't know. E.W. Kenyon, a great man of faith, and God spoke to him and said, you've completed what I need you to complete. It's now time for you to come home. He put his affairs in order, called his family together. They had a lovely meal, and he went upstairs, lay down on his bed, and his spirit left his body. There's something in that that I'm just like, yes. Something so uh, something I love about that, where sickness doesn't impact, that it's all on God's terms, not on any other terms. I know it's not the reality for everyone. So our bodies remain the seed of Adam and Eve. Don't they? We're born into sin. Ultimately, everybody's got to perish, and we must be transformed. I'm going to read the, another verse from 15, 1 Corinthians 15, 53 to you. For this, for this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. And guys, here's the big picture that we're going to go into that I need you to see. This is the core of what we're going on today. If you take one thing away from today, just get this big picture. Let's talk about it. When Jesus ministered on the earth, many, many people were healed. Some people were brought back from the dead. We know them. Lazarus. The woman with the issue of blood, the blind, the leper, Jairus' daughter, hundreds, probably thousands and thousands of people blessed and impacted, not to mention the people who were healed and brought back from the dead by the ministry of all the apostles and everyone since. But as time went on, all of those people still died. They still got older. They still perished. See, though we can experience physical healing, our bodies are still waiting for the greater purposes of God's redemptive plan for humankind. Because unless Christ had come and redeemed us, we would all die and pass into eternal death. We would all die and pass into eternal death, eternal separation from God. But he came and he has redeemed us. Therefore, guys, we are all awaiting that final physical redemption of our bodies. That final physical redemption that Paul speaks about in Corinthians, where us as mortal must put on immortality. The beauty is he has redeemed us. 
He has redeemed us. Because, you know, most of us, we need glasses, or a lot of us need glasses as we get older. That aging process reveals that we're still waiting for our new heavenly body. There are many stories of people getting, getting a glimpse into heaven. They see into heaven and they see a loved one or a friend who's passed away, who's died. And they don't see them as some old, decrepit, sick person that they were on their deathbed. They see them in their prime because it is this fullness of life. 1 Corinthians 15, I'm going to read 43, 50 to 56 again. Just think on this, guys, because this is the big picture, that it's not just about now and the moment, it is about eternity. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it's sown in weakness, it is raised in power. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. You are heirs, remember we're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, you are heirs of the imperishable, that's you. Behold, I, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this, perishab but when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that this that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. That is the awesome beauty of God's big picture, life. That the victory is one. That in Christ, our destination is life. Isn't that awesome? So does that mean we don't pray for the sick? That we don't have faith? That we don't believe that heaven can be manifest in the here and now? No, not at all. See, everything we've preached up until now is solid and true. In fact, this picture, this perspective, it builds my faith for that. Because, you know, if we look at the enormity of our salvation, if we look at the big picture of God and we see the lengths and the depths and the, the amount of love and sacrifice that it took to wrest us out of darkness and open a door for us back into life, back into light, back into the presence of God. And when I stand before a sickness, what's that compared to the situation that we have been brought in? What's that compared to the big picture? It causes faith to rise in me. Death is defeated. The future is bright. You know, why did Christians in the Roman era who were fed to the lions die with a smile on their face? Why do they die with a smile on their face? We spoke last week about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they say, we're not going to bow. Our God will save us. And even if he doesn't, we're not going to worship you. But there's this faith that these guys being thrown to the, thrown to the lions in the arena... But they're either not going to get eaten like Daniel, that they either God's going to bring them back from the dead and they'll be raised, raised again to life, or that they, their bodies do die and they just, in that moment, they pass into life. 
They pass it to life. There was no option where death existed. It's like checkmate for darkness. That whatever happens, and this is the reality for you guys, whatever hardship you find yourself in, whatever happens in Christ, you live. In Christ, you live. So on earth, this side of heaven, we still pray. It's declaring the fullness of the coming glory. And it's like the winds before a storm. You know when a storm front's coming in and we're here and we feel the wind come, we think, ah, it's going to rain and we're going to be completely soaked. I'm going to ruin these shoes. Run for Starbucks. We feel that wind come through. It's almost like that, this moment now, where there's these pre-glimpses of the beauty and the power of God flowing into our world. And we're the delivery agents. Pray that the sick would be healed that the lepers would be cleansed, that the demons would be cast out. In these ages, in these, we call them the last days, without going down that road too much, just as a phrase between Christ and the end. When we are called to pray, let your kingdom come, aren't we? Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we don't have to put up with the stuff. So we must walk in full conviction of the reality of healing, of the miraculous, knowing too that because of the brokenness of the world, the fallenness of the world, that also we, that our mortality is also there. We stand against the works of Satan, though. We stand against sickness and we stand against brokenness. But the fullness of our inheritance is immortality, which we will never experience in this body. You won't experience immortality in this body, but you, spirit, will live forever. See, we need a big picture, guys. We pray for healing, but we have to know the bigger story that we're part of. And it's not just for healing for either comfort or bravery and courage, but for everything that we're going through. Do you live life with a bigger picture? Because we can be so zoomed in on our section of life that actually it can be such a blessing to zoom out and say, I'm going to live this incredibly, but also bearing in mind that this is, if this is eternity, this is like one little slot just on there. I'm going to live that awesomely for the glory of God, but knowing there's an incredible future that I'm going into. Many of you guys know that Jess and I, we lost, we've lost two baby boys over our, our, our time having children. It's a long story. Some of you guys have been on the journey of that with us. I know Jess shared that when she preached. It was William's birthday last Wednesday where he's not his birthday into the earth, but birth into heaven. And I share this because I want to encourage you guys. And actually, William and Bartholomew, they give us such an incredible eternal perspective. Because Jess and I know a day will come, maybe a thousand years from now, 10,000 years from now, where in the big story, we, we look back at this momentary time of separation. And this time, now, will seem like a distant memory. That actually the amount of time, and this is for anyone who's ever lost anyone, the amount of time you ever spent with them on earth will be completely eclipsed by the amount of time 
you'll spend with them in eternity. So maybe that's mothers or fathers you've lost, siblings, children. Eternity is where you'll spend the real time with them. So you see, when we lose someone dear to us, we mourn, we cry. And I want to encourage you guys, like Paul encouraged, encouraged the Thessalonians, but we also have a hope that goes beyond understanding. What did Paul write to the Thessalonians about those who've died, those who've fallen asleep in Christ? First Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14, it says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. See, don't grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. It doesn't say don't grieve. Grieve, but it's grieving in a different way. It's grieving in that we are going to miss you so much. You are so awesome. The blessing of your life has now left the earth. We don't have you here anymore. We're going to miss you, but I can't wait to see you again. I'm looking forward to seeing you again. So we have a hope for eternity and a faith for healing and life today. Remember what James wrote to encourage the Christians. He didn't say, don't worry, you'll live forever, so don't bother praying for healing. He said in James 5, 14, 16, he says, is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church. And they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Good blow my nose. Sorry, guys. Oh, I will. It's the guys on the audio who'll get that the best. Okay. Leaders, guys, should anoint the sick with oil. We must pray in faith. Anyone, just be praying for each other. Pray healing for people. We should confess all our sins. Put our relation, don't have a day where a relationship's out of whack. Put our relationships right with each other. We pray for healing, not in some kind of vague, ah, God's good, let's ask him if he kind of fancies doing it. And you can go back and listen to some of the other sermons in the series. It's not out of a kind of a vague hope, but it's because it's what he's commissioned us to do. It's what he called us to do, to go into all the world. Go into all the world, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. The Lord who is, who is the healer, he is the healer, has called us to pray for healing, to continue to tear down those works of the enemy. You know, a few years back, this is maybe speaking more directly to the question, a few years back it was taught uh, in a number of circles that if you weren't healed, it's because you didn't have enough faith. Maybe you were told this. And if that's you, you're hurting from that, I'm sorry. And at the response time at the end, let's have, like, have some time just of healing over that. Because it was a lie. It's not true. See, that teaching doesn't align with the whole of Scripture. 
Remember the lame man at the beautiful gate? He's just sat there. What's he's asking for alms, isn't he? The lame man at the beautiful gate. And what's he get? Legs. That's a joke. He's asking for money. And they don't even have a discussion with him. Say, actually, we're Christians. We believe Jesus can heal you. And so we don't have any money at the moment, but we believe you could walk. Can we pray for you? They don't say that. They just say, we don't actually have any money, but what we do have, we give you. Get up and walk. They took his hand and pulled him up. I don't even think he really fully grasped what was going on at the time. See, blaming people for them not getting healed punishes people who are already suffering. That is not the voice of God. That is not the heart of the kingdom. So it's easy to have all the answers. And that's why in some ways we have to hold all these things in balance because it's easy, all these sermons we've done in balance, because it's easy to have all the answers when we're not suffering. And it's easy to, be, to quote scripture when we're in full health. And so whilst it's 100% true, that his word is truth, this subject of healing, we can only approach this subject of healing with humility, compassion, and a sense of the mystery of God. That mistiness, the misty mystery. But we're just, I don't get God why this is happening, but I believe you're good and I'll praise you. Even if he doesn't save us, we will still worship him. See, we don't always understand why we aren't healed or why some aren't healed. I find it challenging. But I do know, I do know those whose bodies stop working, that we call it their bodies die, in Christ, that they don't die. That their last breath on earth will be their first breath in eternity. In the presence of God. Bible, just as an aside, it does show in general with all kinds of prayers actually that there are hindrances to our praying. The greatest often are, is often unforgiveness where you're praying for something but refusing to forgive, broken relationships and also sometimes unconfessed sins. Also just as a little aside, with regard to health and life, we do have a responsibility to look after our bodies. We're stewards of this awesome gift that God has given to us. Don't know if you know, but a third, that's one in three people, everyone on the planet who will die this year or next year, is from heart disease. Not just in one country, but globally. One, the heart stopping work in cardiovascular disease kills one in three people. That's usually caused, not always, but usually caused by a lifetime of bad habits, right? If we abuse our bodies by overeating, eating the wrong stuff, lack of exercise, alcohol abuse, all this kind of stuff, then we, then we destroy the gift that God's giving us. And very often in his mercy and his grace, he still heals us. doesn't say, oh, you wrecked it, you deal with it. He's not like that. But there is also a part on us as we walk this path, as we make decisions wisely, as our minds are renewed, that we actually treat our bodies well. Be a good steward of your body as best you can. 
So that living a healthy life isn't just actually about the supernatural, but it's about living wisely with self-discipline and keeping this awesome gift, the body, functioning well. And I know nowadays it's very tempting, you know? super tempting. It's amazing things out there that are way tastier than other things. So I remember Jess and I going through this process, and when we were in when we were in the UK, and we decided, okay, we're only going to eat this went in the supermarket. We only needed to visit about one aisle. There's virtually no aisles we could go and use. Anyway, I'll leave that to you. Larger churches, people always joke, people leave the church when you start speaking about food. So in amidst the queries and the questions, why don't people always get healed? Things like that. One truth stands out. And many of the great healing evangelists have seen this over their time ministering, that if you don't take a leap of faith, if you don't take a leap of faith and pray for healing, no one will ever get healed. If you don't pray in Jesus' name, if you don't anoint with oil, and if you don't take the risk of praying for the sick, healing just, it doesn't come. If you're not stepping out and saying, actually, I'm going to pray for you to be healed, healing won't come. If you don't go, sorry, if you don't have a go, you'll never know. If you don't have a go, you'll never know. And I know it's scary. I know it's scary. Where is your fear placed, though? Where is your fear with praying for the sick? Is it in looking stupid when nothing happens? Or is it that that person won't get the thing that God wants to give them that day? See, that's the two things set before us. We're either more afraid on how we'll seem by some, in case something doesn't happen, than actually more afraid of God, not, of us not opening the door and giving the gift for, to these guys and them getting what God wants to give them. And it's more than just healing. You know, it's more, when we're speaking about this topic of why aren't people healed, it's more than just the healing, because healing is a sign that points towards Christ. It's not the end. It's a sign that points towards Christ. It points towards the big picture. Never pray for healing without sharing the gospel. Never pray for healing with anyone outside of church without sharing the gospel. Because if they get healed and then they go away and then they get hit by a car, what good's that going to do them? Healing is a sign. It's a sign of the Holy Spirit that points to the big picture, points to Christ, it points to the gospel. Jesus taught as well that in prayer, when we're praying for healing, that we should ask, seek, knock, and persist. Keep on, keep on, keeping on. I remember a story of Smith Wigglesworth. I find this one challenging, because Smith Wigglesworth was like the man, wasn't he? That like, it's like the, the Jedi of healers of his time. A lot of Star Wars references today. Um, and he, he, he would see amazing things happen. But I remember reading one of the testimonies where he went to a woman who was on her deathbed and they didn't think she had much long to live. And he went in and he shut the door and he refused to come out. And he was in, the, he was in there all night praying for this woman. In there all night. And it was like a wrestling. I, he described it as there was like a wrestling and then there was a breakthrough in the dawn. And I just think, man, I find that challenging because it's not a 10-minute prayer or, or a... Like this guy who's seen incredible miracles 
is there all night to see the breakthrough. So keep praying, keep praying. Why did he have to be in there all night? I have no idea. Why did Jesus heal people differently every time? I have no idea. But he just listened to the Holy Spirit and was led by the Holy Spirit, was led, was led into what he should do, and he did it. So we're coming to a close, guys. In Isaiah 57, we learn another kind of aspect, this angle of why aren't people always healed. It's something challenging, but it points to that big picture, that the main thing is, where are you going? Isaiah 57, 1 to 2 says, The righteous man perishes, and no man takes it to heart, and devout men are taken away, while no one understands. For the righteous man is taken away from evil. He enters into peace. They rest in their beds, each one who walks in his upright way. In this passage, the Bible reveals that sometimes God takes a righteous person home into eternity so that their suffering can end. They may enter his peace. It's challenging. But there's a bigger picture. There's a bigger story that is bigger and better and more beautiful than the brokenness of the world. And it's our story. It's his story. That we've been brought into that at a great cost. And with faith and strength, we herald that. We pray for the sick. You know, guys, I wish I had all the answers. I don't. I don't believe anyone of us this side of heaven will have all the answers to some of the questions. But I do believe having a big picture, eternal view, puts everything in the right perspective, puts life in the right perspective. And hold, holding that eternal hope, we're going to carry on according to what we know, trusting that God is good. So just to end, I want to read to you Mark 16, 15 to 18. It says, he said to them, does Jesus go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation? Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. So pray for the sick and preach the gospel, always having this eternal perspective. So I can just invite you to come up. Guys, we're, we, what we do here is at the end just now, we're going to response time before we go into our last song. So we're just going to go into response time. And maybe you're here today and maybe you've lost someone. That you're, that, that you're hurting, that you've been unsure maybe about that thought of seeing them again. Maybe they weren't healed. You've got challenges and questions around that. This is just a moment. Just take time to just pray, engage with God. Just, it's a quiet moment in your week. Just pray to God. and let, If you're struggling, just let him come in and minister to your heart in that. If you struggled with not seeing prayers answered, just have some time coming into a place where, despite experience, you can hold all of this in one hand and continue to pray for the sick.
Guys, if you're here today or you're listening on the podcast, I, um, I want to invite you, if you haven't received Jesus, if you wouldn't say that you're born again, that, and you want your spirit to come alive, that you'd have that promised eternal life, if that's you, I just want you to invite you to pray after me. It's not a magic prayer, but it's just a sign of intent from you saying, Jesus, I want you. I don't fully understand everything. I'm not perfect. He doesn't need you to be perfect. He's perfect. And afterwards, after we prayed together, I'm just going to, with everyone's eyes still closed, I'm just going to ask you to, I'm not going to embarrass you, call you up the front. I'm just going to ask you to pop your hand in the air because I'd love to to connect with you later on. So if that's you, just pray this after me. And pray out loud or under your breath. It's up to you. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for me. Thank you that you paid the price for my sin. Thank you, Father, that the same Holy Spirit that gave life to your son's body will also give life to me. Thank you, Jesus, that I am now alive in you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for immersing me in Christ. God, I choose to give you my life today. And follow you from this day forward. In your name, amen. Guys, if you just keep your, everyone keep your eyes closed, heads bowed. If, if you prayed that prayer, please just pop your hand up in the air. Just indicate yourself to me. please send us a message. We'd love to connect with you. Guys, we're just going to continue this for another couple of minutes. If you want prayer, please have your hands in your palm, sorry, in your laps, hands open, palms facing up, and someone will come around and pray with you. If you'd like prayer, just have hands, hands open in your laps, palms facing up. And someone will come and pray with you. Father God, Lord, thank you for today. Lord, thank you... Lord, I pray for hearts that are hearing that message, God, Lord, that you would just speak into our hearts today, God, that where there's been challenge, God, that in, in the midst of that mist, in the midst of that mystery, that there would be your peace in that place, God. Lord, I pray that we would be a people that shift so that our perspective and our mindsets are the big picture, that we make decisions based on the big picture. We see you in our lives in the big picture. And Lord, I just pray for every single person here that as they go out in their weeks, God, that they would just be filled with your peace, God. I bless you guys with peace. Peace over you. Knowing that God is good 
in amidst the mystery, in amidst the unanswerable, always know that God is good.